Welcome to the Art of Being a Mum podcast, where I, Alison Newman, a singer, songwriter and Aussie mum of two, enjoys honest and inspiring conversations with artists and creators about the joys and issues they've encountered while trying to be a mum and continue to create. You'll hear themes like the mental juggle, changes in identity, how their work's been influenced by motherhood, mum guilt, cultural norms, and we also stray into territory such as the patriarchy, feminism, and capitalism. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, along with a link to the music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our supportive and lively community on Instagram. I'll always put a trigger warning if we discuss sensitive topics on the podcast, but if at any time you're concerned about your mental health, I urge you to talk to those around you, reach out to health professionals, or seek out resources online. I've compiled a list of international resources which can be accessed on the podcast landing page, alisonnewman.net slash podcast. The Art of Being a Mum would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and water which this podcast is recorded on as being the Boendick people in the Barren region of South Australia. I'm working on land that was never ceded. Hello and welcome to another edition of the podcast. It is a real pleasure to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining me, whether this is your first listen or your 101st listen it's so lovely to have you here just a quick plug before I get into today's episode I'd like to remind you all that I now do a weekly email which you can sign up to via the podcast landing page at alisonnewman.net slash podcast in the weekly email you'll not only get some more information about this week's guest but you'll get a sneak peek at the upcoming week's guests And I've also been putting together some more information, things that I don't share on the Instagram or the social media pages. And it's also kind of in the back of my mind that if anything happens to my accounts, if I get hacked or shut down for whatever reason, that there is still a way to communicate with you. So please go in and sign up. It's just once a week. I don't send any spam. I don't forward your details onto a third party or that sort of privacy stuff. It's pretty important to me. So rest assured, I will keep your information safe. So on to today's episode. This week, I'm very pleased to welcome Natalie Harrison to the podcast. Natalie is a jewellery designer and maker based in Nan in South Australia in the Adelaide Hills. And she's a mum of one, soon to be a mum of two. After finishing school, Natalie wasn't 100% sure what career to pursue. She went into social work briefly and after a period of time found her passion in design. She went on to study interior architecture and interior design and from this she gained a job in the architecture industry. For many years she was incredibly driven and experiencing the toxic culture of the architecture industry And two and a half years ago, things came to a head and Natalie left. She now works four days a week in her jewellery design business. Her life is so much happier. She's enjoying the little things in life and life is a lot less stressful. She designs and makes earrings and jewellery with her husband in the hills outside of Adelaide in South Australia. When designing her earrings, Natalie is inspired by her love for Art Deco and also to create something different for her clientele. She creates vintage-inspired and Art Deco-style jewellery and playful statement earrings using a combination of wood and acrylic materials. She designs on a vector program, laser cuts on a machine and then assembles and also does some hand-painted items too. Natalie's business name is Little Geraldine and this is a derivation from appreciating the little things in life and a nod to her late Omar's favourite plant, the Geraldton Wax. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. I'm it's, excited. Oh, great. It's a pleasure to have you. So you are in a place that I know where it is and it's mm-hmm. uh, Nan. Or... Same. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Nan. Because yeah. you're say, in Mount Gambier, right? Yeah, I'm in Mount Gambier, yeah. <laughs> I've got um, family in um, Mount Barker and Strathalbyn. So nice. Right okay. Because a lot of people... People don't know where Nan is, um, even if they're, it's only about 45 minutes, so like an hour out of the city, but mm. a lot of the times if you say, oh, I'm from Nan, they're like, oh, 
where is that? It's like, you know, Mount Barker? Pretty much there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very close to Mount Barker. Yeah. yeah. Have you always lived there or are you from somewhere else? No, I'm, I actually grew up in the city. Um, I'm, a, I'm a city girl at heart. Um, but uh, kind of as you do, you meet somebody and then you kind of have to negotiate on your living location, right? So my partner, um, he grew up in the Riverlands and he's not a big city person. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think he would have really loved to have moved a lot further out, but um, I worked down in the city. He worked out um, in, for a while, he was driving to uh, just Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know where Barry is, um, it's a good three hours drive. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we tried to, but he had always intended to sort of move closer to the city anyway. So mm-hmm. we kind of negotiated because I didn't want a big isolated property because I've always had, I've always been surrounded by people. Mm. Um, and uh, I still wanted to be close to my parents as well, who still live in my childhood home. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah we just kind of negotiated and went, all right, we'll do kind of rural but still like you know there's a lot of build up around mm, us yeah, um, yeah so it doesn't feel quite so country but yeah and it's been good I haven't um it took a little bit of getting used to in the beginning but mm-hmm. now it's just yeah I can't imagine us ever moving back to the city so yeah right. yeah. yeah yeah it's a good compromise <laughs> Yeah, I still refer to myself as a city girl, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like Mount Barker seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger it and is. just spreading exponentially. So I mean, you'll be yeah. in the city soon anyway. The way it's going, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just waiting for my partner to be like, "All right, it's too. There's too many people here now. Let's move further out <laughs> because it's it is. We're really lucky in the location that we're in, and that we have this big hill on the opposite side of our house." And it's kind of too steep to ever be developed. So we're hoping yeah. at least for a while that it will stay that way. So we still kind of feel like we're in the country. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the the Mount Barker spread is it's going to join the gap between, you know, where there's still agricultural land mm. and you won't, you won't know you're in the country anymore. Yeah. I still have trouble actually referring to it as the country because it's, it's really yeah. not. It's the hills, but... So you are a very creative person. I've been yeah. following your creations on Instagram. So you make jewellery, which is really yes. cool. I haven't had anyone on the show yet that's a jewellery maker. So congratulations, you're my very first. <laughs> I'm honoured. <laughs> so tell us what you use and what's your style. Oh, I can't describe it. I know I can describe the art deco, which is really cool, the earrings you yeah. make. But, yeah, I'll <laughs> hand it over to you to, to take the lead on it. Uh, well, it- I, I came from an architectural background. So um, before I started doing this, I was working in architecture and um, all of my sort of early stuff was very Art Deco inspired. Um, and I, I think like the, I still kind of try and stick with that as much as possible, but um, I don't know why I just start, I had I had this Art Deco obsession um, and I just, wanted to I guess express that in other forms because mm-hmm. um, you don't really get much call for art deco in a, well, when I was working in architecture you didn't really get much call for that kind of style mm-hmm. um, and so that's sort of I guess vintage inspired and art deco is kind of where it all started mm-hmm. um, and then I the more markets I did the more I kind of interacted with customers when I wanted to start making it a bit more um, financially sustainable, I guess, um, I I sort of responded a lot more to what customers uh, seem to respond really well to, which is I I tried out this kind of quirky, playful, um, 
I guess it's personality dependent um, kind of range. Yeah. And um, people just responded to it really well. So I've been expanding on that as well. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of the, the playful statement, quirky, um, I like to call it, you know, emo- emotional because people tend to buy them because they have an obsession right now I'm working on a range of cows because they have an obsession with cows or they yeah. know somebody who has an obsession with cows. Um, so, yeah, I feel like those are kind of my two styles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Art Deco one, I think, is more of an my personal expression. Mm-hmm. And then the playful and quirky one is sort of a... Um, you know, I want to make my customers happy as well. Um, it's always yeah. really nice seeing people's responses when they see, even if they don't buy them, when they see, you know, what I've got on display. So, mm, yeah. um, but so we uh, we design them um, and we do it all with a vector program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's all laser cut on a machine and then we assemble them and that's the, the pretty like basic explanation of how it's all done. There's obviously a lot of design process that leads up to it. Yeah. Um, and it's just a composition of acrylic and timber. And then we've got some hand painted stuff as well. So mm-hmm. those are pretty much, yeah, those are pretty much the mediums at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. And some We're of them, expanding. yeah, some of them are incredibly <laughs> intricate too. Like I've seen on your, like your, your sort of behind the scenes stuff on Instagram about the, the level of detail in some of the designs yeah work that you need to do then to assemble them is pretty full on it can yes and it can get quite tedious <laughs> um, and I have to be very careful to um because I obviously started as a passion and I wanted it to be something that I continue to enjoy I have to be very careful that I have a balance between pieces that are <laughs> more simple to make and pieces that are more intricate and challenging to make mm-hmm. um and just I guess listening to myself when I'm not feeling or when I'm not feeling it basically if you know what I mean so yeah, yeah. um so it doesn't become a chore for you to yeah you exactly. start to resent it or anything yeah. yeah yeah and it's taken me a while to get that balance but I think yeah it's um I'm slowly getting there yeah so you said we, so who else have you got doing it with you? Yeah, so when I say we, I pretty much um, include my other half because mm-hmm. he, um, not from the very beginning, but more recently, he's sort of gotten quite involved in it. Um, we treat it a little bit more as a hobby for him because he works <laughs> full time yeah. um, and he's the kind of person who if he could do everything he would so um it's just it's just trying to you know maintain his manage his stress levels but um he does a lot of the kind of hand-painted timber designs um that we work on and also I say we because he's quite even though he's um you know it's obviously not really his job he's very supportive and he helps a lot in terms of not just emotional support but um you know he's there at markets and um you know he's always giving me his feedback about designs and Mm, and all of those things so yeah yeah, I to me it feels very much like a we yeah (laughs) even though it's my it's my business and I'm running it and I'm responsible for it he's always there so Mm, yeah yeah that's Um, fair enough So you said you started out with architecture. How did you get into that? Was was that a passion of yours sort of growing up in design or um it was it's a long it was a long journey, I think. Um because I didn't go straight into it out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um I was not a 
I don't want to say, like, I feel like I, I wasn't particularly driven to be anything in particular once I finished high school. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of went for a job that might have been decent paying. and um, But I was always really into design when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always really worried when I say I wasn't very driven. I was always really worried about the amount of competition and pressure and all of that that would go into getting into any kind of design field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't want to do it, basically. I was, I was young and I was just, yeah, I was just, I would just want to relax for a little bit. So I went into um, like a social work kind of job. Mm-hmm. And then I did that for a couple of years and then, I think maybe we spent that time maturing and going, actually, it's probably worth me pushing to do something that actually inspires me. Yeah. Um, and so I went, and I think this is going back a long time now, but I think when I started, when I went to uni the first time around, the degrees were different there. So I think they only had architecture and Bachelor of Design or something, but then when I was in social work, they created a... Um, a degree that was interior architecture and interior mm-hmm. design had always interested me. So yeah. I kind of took that as a sign, I think, and, and just went and, and did it. And then I think it was four years or something. Um, and then, I mean, it proved, it did prove really difficult to get into, Yeah, but I think, I think timing was everything. And um, I just eventually, yeah, ended up finding something and it just kind of went from there. So yeah, mm. um, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a it was a process of I think just maturing and just um following my my passions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, sometimes um I don't know, you need to do something that you don't really like or not not super passionate about to make you realize that yeah. you really want to do the thing that you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> to get that drive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's good. My I feel like my son's gonna be like that. Like he's not I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna come out of school wanting to do anything in particular. Like he doesn't have this thing in his head. He just wants to do something that he likes. So it's gonna yeah. be fun. Fun couple of years. So I, see, I hear so many people <laughs> saying that these days as well. And I still feel like it's so young to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life and in reality so many people I know um have changed their careers multiple times anyway so I just think it's it's, yeah like it's ridiculous to be asking a child literally a child what they want to do because they haven't been in the world to see what it's like to do that thing or not want to do that thing you know like I always say to my son like I was almost 40 before I found well actually probably 30. 35, when I found the industry that I am so passionate about, it took me that long to discover yeah. what I actually wanted to do. And the thing I'm doing now yeah. was never on my radar as a teenager, like would never have and thought of it. You know, no. so I say, just mate, don't worry about it. Just do something you like and the rest yeah. of it will exactly. play as its long, way yeah. out through your life. <laughs> as long as you can feed yourself. You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. really, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> So you're talking about you do your markets and you have your online store. So is this something that you do full time now, or are you still doing architecture? How does how does it sort of fit in with your days? I uh, no, I so architecture ended up becoming um, not the most uh, comfortable career for me to be in um, because it was quite stressful. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and so. I actually left with the intention of just taking a break because um, I was suffering so much from burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was kind of like the hobby that I was going to do to keep myself entertained while I worked out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so I left and I just 
kind of never really went back because I just I was just like I'm so much happier now why do I need to and it's exactly what you say just do what makes you happy um Mm. so you know why why go back um and I was really worried that I would would feel the pull to go back and wouldn't be particularly happy just doing what I'm doing now but um there's really nothing compelling me to go back to architecture at this point. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's got a it's got a bit of a reputation, unfortunately, for being um, yeah, just a tiny, just a little bit toxic. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've just decided I don't really need that in my life. Yeah, and you bring it home, you know. I've got I've got a kid and you bring it home with you, you know, mm-hmm. and it just, you just end up at the end of the day, not being a very nice person. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't have to, I don't have to put that on her. Um, mm-hmm. If we can survive, you know, the way that we are now. So, yeah. so this is um, four days a week for me. Mm-hmm. Um, four days in air quotes, because <laughs> really, <laughs> let's be real um (laughs) it's a it's a get it done whenever I can get it done kind of thing but um Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that my daughter's at um kindy two days a week and then she's with my parents two days a week so I do have that you know Monday to Thursday but then there's always stuff that needs to be done on the weekend and oh yeah and I guess being on time and yeah and like being on social media like I think there is no there's no office hours, is there? It's like people message all at different hours of the day and night, depending where they are in the exactly. world. Exactly. Yeah, it's just. And I'm I'm a sucker for that too because I don't want to miss um, opportunities, and I don't want to. I don't want to be inaccessible, mm-hmm. even though being too accessible is an issue in itself. But yeah, I will be yeah. sitting there and I'll be watching TV with my partner and I'll be relaxing, but I'll be scrolling through my social media. I might get a message and it's, you know, 9.30 at night. <laughs> like, you know, normal business hours. Nobody else would expect you to respond, but yeah. I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really, I'm really bad for that. But, yeah. On the know, It's still, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, it's your own business. Yeah. It's so, um, you're so emotional about it you don't want to do Mm. anything that's gonna um put it in a bad light I guess yeah and responding responding to people straight away is obviously (laughs) that's a good thing right that comes across as a good thing as a customer I guess yeah it's hard to it's hard to create those those boundaries isn't it um especially like on insta when on Facebook I remember a few years ago I noticed this like you were getting a rating depending on how quickly you responded to customers. It was like, this is the average time this person takes. And I was like, oh, my God, now we're getting judged on how quickly we get back to people. Like I thought, bloody hell, that's a bit of pressure, isn't it? Like so much for like work-life you. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about Instagram, but Instagram drives me completely nuts Um, (laughs) with like, and and sometimes I'll just kind of step away from it for a week or two because I just can't, I just can't be bothered. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it used to be something that I enjoyed doing, but then they kept, once you become a creator on there or you have a business or any kind of investment in actually um, becoming visible, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it starts becoming a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly finding out about, you know, the algorithm changes or yeah. don't do this, do this. Or oh, and now, yeah. now this, yeah, and the reels and just, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I've been yeah, like doing because absolutely. it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, look, that's how I feel. Like years ago, I remember there was this girl in our town who was doing these um, face-to-face trainings on all this because when Instagram started to get serious about business, when you start, you'd be able to get business accounts. And it was yeah. like, do now don't, don't put any more than so many number of hashtags and don't edit your post so many minutes after you've yes. posted and all this. And I was like, right, I got to do all this. And then eventually I just went, oh my God, why? Like, <laughs> I just, it was the same thing. I just couldn't be bothered. Like, yeah. I know, I know, like, like this used oh. to be fun, but now yes. it's not. And that's when I take a step back. I'm like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop for a little bit and then I'll go back to it when I feel like it. But yeah, it's, mm. it's constantly, 
like use 30 hashtags don't yeah. use only use five hashtags yes, don't put yes. them all in your um in your description put them in your oh god I, oh, I um, know. use trending sounds don't use trending sounds i yeah <laughs> i can yeah. have a, i could go off on a tangent about it but yeah it's just too but much but unfortunately we it? rely on it too much but oh, yeah, i know what are we going to do oh yeah the whole thing and, and it's like they've it's it's created this whole world where if you want to be in it you feel like you've got to do it the right way. But then I just mm-hmm. think, stuff it, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a rebel and just do it how I want to do it. And who yeah. knows if it will work or it won't work, but I don't care because, I don't know, I just. But do, you, do you ever find yourself me. sort of trapped in that um, comparison hole where you kind of, I don't it, maybe it's just me, but you sometimes you look at other, like for me, I might look at other earring makers and go like, oh, they've grown so much faster than I have. And then I just have to stop myself and go, well, we're different, you know, you've mm. got to, but you, and you, but you just wonder, yeah, it, it's so easy on Instagram to compare yourself to other people and mm-hmm. see that as them being more successful yeah, because the numbers are right there. Yeah. But in, but yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of um, mental gymnastics that goes on when yeah. it comes to dealing with social media, I think. Yeah. For me anyway. But. Oh, yeah. You do sort of have to have your blinkers on, I think, like because it is easy to get distracted. Um, but mm. I always tell myself, like, because I bet you get them too, like every day you get messages, oh, build your followers, pay this much and get yes. whatever. And I'm like, maybe they just did that. You know, like I tell myself these little yeah. stories. It's like just worry <laughs> about what you're doing, Alison. Like the other yeah, day, exactly. classic example for me was um, – there's this lady, particular guest that I've been trying to get on my podcast and her, her, I've been in touch with her, um, her agent who was also her husband and he's like, oh, she's been really busy, whatever. And then next minute I saw she came up on someone else's podcast. And I was like, that's not fair. Yeah. So that was, that was me. And I had to go, Alison, just relax. You don't know how long ago yeah. I recorded it. You don't know what the circumstances exactly. were. Get out of your you head don't... and forget about yeah. it, you know, scroll on. Yeah. Like... <laughs> but you do, you see these people getting these opportunities that you're not getting and you, and you go, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. But there's so many factors that come into it that you don't. That's yeah. it, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's so, yeah. That you have no yeah. idea what's going on with someone else. And it's so easy just to see that tiny snapshot and make that massive, like, judgment and assessment based on exactly. zero information, yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you Did find that. that too, like you mentioned, you've got your daughter. Um, do you find that too with your parenting that if you're following particular people and they're doing this or that, you sort of question yourself? Do you do that? Yeah. There's this whole, um, gentle parenting movement thing going on yeah. at the moment. Sorry, I and... shouldn't laugh, but I'll tell you what <laughs> no. you're going to say. <laughs> I have to be very careful because, I mean, I think we all try and be gentle with our kids, right? Yeah. Um, but we all have breaking points. Yeah. <laughs> well, We're humans. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think most of us experience that witching hour at night where you've had a really long day and you just are not getting through to them because they're overtired and um but that's that is probably my biggest um I just what I get stuck on a lot on social media is that gentle parenting and I'm like sometimes I raise my voice should I be looking into this gentle parenting thing I haven't looked at it in that much depth Mm -hmm. um but there it it seems to pop up a lot. I don't know if social media is trying to tell me something. Um, you know how they listen to you. I've right? seen it a lot too lately. <laughs> how yeah, they're back uh, at school. It... <laughs> Should we read into that? Um, <laughs> um, oh, but that, yeah, and and then even on my because I have um, I've got my business profile, and then obviously I've got my personal profile, which I'm not very active on at all. But every time I switch over to there, I obviously have a lot of a lot of my friends, yeah. um, and we do lead. I guess, I mean, we all lead different lives, so you do sit there and you compare. You know, oh, what the they're they're doing this amazing thing with their kids, and but also at the same time, I never really post anything about like, <laughs> social media. I, I'm very mm. private in that respect. Mm-hmm. even on a private account so yeah. um you can scroll through you know one of my mum friends feeds and it'll be very 
you know, colourful with their kids and um, and all of their family activities. And mine has, I think, maybe two or three photos of my daughter on it. So, it, you know, it's not. But I think, yeah, with my private account, I think I've only got, you know, 20 or 30 posts on there. So it's yeah. not, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But it, I do, I'm very conscious of the whole, um, you know, it's only snapshots of people's lives. Um, yeah. So yeah. you got to talk yourself down a lot, but mm. yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's no photos on there of people fighting with their children in the morning to put their shoes on. <laughs> Somebody needs to just record the whole witching hour process, dinner, <laughs> bath time and bed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I do follow a lot of, a lot of mums now who are just taking the piss out of that really. Like I've, I found that, there are some really good people I follow who are um, like into, they analyse different ways of parenting. So they're not telling you what to okay. do. They're sort of picking apart different things. There was a, a lady I had on my podcast a little while ago. Her name's Elise Adlam and she does, she's a feminist and she's a philosopher. So she spends time reading and researching and then sort of sharing her findings on it so she's not telling you what to do she's just giving you a different way of looking at things and I found accounts like that and people that are basically comedians um making fun of what it's like to ask someone to put their shoes on 20 times you know that's the sort of stuff I follow now I've sort of had to switch off from the people that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable because I was like questioning myself too much like I don't need to be feeling like that you know you do what you got to do this is me in my home in my country my town it's totally different to you know everyone yeah. else we're all very different um yeah exactly so yeah I, I and did each kid is different and oh absolutely you know oh, everybody's got their different challenges so yeah you know. yes yeah so I feel like that's that's suiting me a lot better now I can have a laugh at something <laughs> and then I can learn something say hi Elise if you're listening uh, love your stuff <laughs> I'll have to look that one up <laughs> yeah do she's actually created she's sending out um if you get on her email list she does a uh like a reading list a feminist and and sort of reading list so you can um and you can choose medium hard or extra hard or whatever depending on how okay. hard how hard you want to go into or how long you've got to read or how you know your mental capacity is at that time yeah. to whatever to read and I'm finding that really love interesting that. too yeah I love yeah. I love learning so yeah my background's in um, early childhood education so I find that sort of stuff yeah. really interesting and give you a new perspective yeah. on things that you might never have thought yeah. of so yeah yeah You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. This this sort of might tie it be into social media, so I'll segue onto this um, topic of mum guilt that I love to talk about. And not because I love <laughs> to say, hey, tell me how guilty you feel or don't. You know what I mean? I just find it really We've already covered that, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. But it's <laughs> like, do you feel like that in terms of your own creativity, though? Like when it's time for you to make your stuff, do you have that that feeling of guilt? I think one of the hardest things I'm finding with running my own business and having it be less regimented and structured than the nine to five that I was doing before. Um, I call it nine to five, but it wasn't really a nine to five. It was a, um, like I said, quite a uh, stressful industry. Um, Is that I do have trouble um, sort of creating and sticking to my own boundaries like I would just said before where I'm texting people when I'm you know supposed to be having downtime and mm. um I do find if I don't reach a point where I'm satisfied with how much work I've done or or especially when I get into the creative process I um I need to finish it um yeah. I can't sort of stop creating something halfway through because there's a momentum and there's a thought process um and that does sometimes overlap with when I really should be you know paying attention to my daughter or helping out with you know dinner time and bath time and all of those things and I do mm-hmm. get 
a lot of I I don't get I don't get anything from my partner or my daughter. It's really just me. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, those times when my daughter says that she misses me, obviously that's, you know, <laughs> that can sting a little bit. Um but yeah, I do find sort of having my own bound or, or sticking to my own boundaries with regard to balancing between spending time with her and and working can be really tricky um so yeah I think it's it's definitely there pretty much daily um yeah and I don't think that there's necessarily an answer to it I think it's just trying keeping trying to maintain a balance I guess Mm. yeah that's it isn't it and what you said about that it's just you that feels that way it's not coming for anyone else that that's such a common thing like yeah I would say you know everyone that talks to me about this topic if they if they're feeling it it's 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 all on us you know yeah. it's no one else yeah. is telling us this stuff it's yeah. just we're doing it to ourselves no. it's not nobody's coming up to you and saying are oh, you being a bad mom because you're working you know mm. I've never really had it sort of verbalized to me I've never never had anybody say anything kind of you know uh, like with that connotation of you know oh you know you're you're not a full-time stay-at-home mum mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's my own expectations of myself but yeah and then when you yeah when you're running a business it does bleed into every minute and hour of the day so <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah no nobody's sitting there and telling me that I'm doing a bad job at being a mum mm. you just you do it to yourself. Yeah, you come up with that all on your own, don't yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a horrible thing, isn't it? concept of identity did you how you saw yourself did that change much when you became a mum yes but not it didn't really change for me until I tried to go back to work mm-hmm. so I tried to go back to work I did go back to work yeah um because before I was um before I had kids I was very very career oriented orientated um and I remember feeling you know I'd go home at the end of the week and I just couldn't wait to go back to work yeah and it was just me and my partner and our dogs so you know it wasn't like (laughs) there was nobody really kind of relying on me to be so I was very um self-centered in that respect it was just I just want to go back to work and and um you know, I had projects that I was really passionate about and I was trying to progress my career and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was feeling very successful, I guess, in my own right in that sense. Um, and then I had my daughter and I stayed home with her for until she was about eight months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was at that point I started kind of itching to go back to work and mm-hmm. I went back and it was just like, like somebody flipped a switch. It was just, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and I think when I, when I went back in the beginning, I thought it was just, you know, a, a transitional thing because I was getting used to being away from my daughter all the time and I was driving down into the city every day. And, um, it, I kind of put it down to that, but then after a while, I kind of realized my drive for my career had kind of, stalled and it wasn't everything to me anymore for obvious reasons um and yeah that that whole being you know this single career driven woman it just wasn't there anymore Mm -hmm. um I think a, a bit of it was was related to sort of being unhappy with my return to work with that particular company as well so then I 
I switched um, companies and things improved a little bit, but um, yeah. there were other problems after that. So, um, yeah, I think <laughs> I think there was a definite shift there and it was very, very noticeable for me. Um, mm. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. So is that so, when then you decided to take your break from it? Was that, or did you yes. keep, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so I think I worked for them for, um, I don't think it was quite a year. And then, of course, we had COVID go through all of that so that, you know, everything was changing. Um, and I just couldn't, uh, I just couldn't settle, I think. Um, and then the projects I was, I was working on were really stressful and um, I wasn't getting the satisfaction out of it that I used to. So, um, mm. and then that kind of overlapped with the, the earring business, the jewellery business. And mm-hmm. um, all, after a while, all I could think about, I remember at the, at the very end of it, when I was feeling really unhappy, all I could think about was creating things, <laughs> but not, I mean, because obviously I was creating things, working in architecture, you know, I was designing these spaces and, but I, I think I just wanted to, I had all these ideas. I feel like this trauma or whatever it was that I was going through just kind of flipped a switch in me. And, and all I could think about was just anything I could do that was creative that wasn't architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was thinking about writing book, like writing kids' books and, you know, painting and macrame or, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah. But I'd already kind of started the jewellery hobby at the time. Mm-hmm. And all of these kind of new ideas came. So it felt very kind of transitional in that sense. Um, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot what the question was. I went off on a tangent then. but No, that's no, that's all good. Um, so have you have you tried the other things that you were thinking about doing? The painting and? and um, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I get... I, I am the kind of person who I can fall into the trap of having all of these ideas, but then overwhelming myself and never really focusing on one. And right. so the jewelry thing was um, was me putting my foot down <laughs> with myself and just yeah. going, "No, this is what you're doing. It's working. <laughs> you're enjoying it. Um, don't." Yeah, I I had to tell myself to stay focused and so I do some of these other things as a hobby um but nothing that and you know you don't want you don't want all of your hobbies to turn into um money making endeavors because that generally can sometimes ruin them <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean yeah absolutely um, uh, yes I, I have to be really careful really conscious of that I think with um what I'm doing now is trying not to kill the creativity, the enjoyment that I get out of the creativity of the side of the business. Mm-hmm. Because when that goes from a hobby to actually being able to, having to take it seriously, you shift from, you know, 80 or 90% just creating stuff to 80, 90% administration. Mm. <laughs> um, and then a small amount of that is actually creating. So yeah. Um, and like you said before, that, you, you're thinking about what your customers want, so it changes that yeah. level of creativity. Like, yeah. like you were saying, you get that for you, you, that enrichment and that enjoyment with your art deco, but then you're conscious mm. of what people want to buy mm. and want to wear. So yeah, it could yeah get, could sort of a bit murky, couldn't it? Like, it can yeah. yeah, not that, but I mean, and in that other respect, I still get enjoyment out of making these other more more. Um, playful pieces for customers mm-hmm. because of the reaction that yeah and the whole reason I started the business um was my little slogan I guess is creating moments of joy mm-hmm. um and that's what I'm what you deliver when you see it when customers see things and they and they like it so yeah it still serves the same purpose mm-hmm yeah, no, that's cool. Um, when you were talking about that, then I just got the image of the you make these little octopus 
ones yeah. and they're so cute. They're like, I really they're, they're one of my best sellers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's unique too because, yeah. like, you don't see that kind of stuff. Like, that's really cool as well. Yeah. Like <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I we do, and it's such a competitive um, field to be in as well. So mm-hmm. constantly trying to do things that are different and um, identifiable as well because when you, you're obviously trying to build a brand, mm-hmm. you know, if you get the feedback that people recognise them and know where they came from, then, mm. you know, you feel like, you feel like you're doing okay. So. Yeah, yeah, when people go to the market and they want to find the, the lady that makes octopus earrings, you know, like that's your, yeah. I'm not saying that's exactly what they'd say, but you know what I mean, what I'm trying no, to get if at. they do, that's yeah. fine. So how far, um, sort of far away do you travel with your markets? Do you, I mean, um, I've never, don't want to say come to Mount Cambia, but. <laughs> oh, one day. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've traveled, um, pretty far. The furthest I think we've gone is Kidina, which is, um, oh, yeah. about a two and a half hour drive. Yep. Um, but at the moment, uh, not. We're not going as far. Um, most I've actually got another. I've got another girl due in on the fifth of May. Oh, so I'm actually six. <laughs> so I'm actually six months pregnant. But yeah. um, the the concept of doing markets at the moment is quite draining. So oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, so we're we're sticking quite locally. But I think um, when you know, things blow over and we settle down again, we'll start doing, we actually quite enjoy the, you know, we're very outdoorsy people. So mm-hmm. we've got um, a caravan and, and all these things that we can sort of do big trips with and then do markets, you know. Yeah. Actually, we've gone, I say that, but we've actually gone further than Kandina. But I'm blanking on the name of the town now. We're just <laughs> it might come back to you. We have actually done, yeah, maybe <laughs> we have actually done we did a, a road trip um to oh gosh, of course I'm not I'm so terrible with names of towns. Um <laughs> but we funny. made it we made a good um a good weekend of it. So um I think we'd like to do more of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um yeah, we're maybe. we're big travelers, so yeah, maybe trip to Mankem is not out the question. <laughs> no, it's probably not. <laughs> oh dear, I love that. coming back to that identity is it important to you that you're more than and I don't want to say just a mum putting that in air quotes because we're never just a mum but is it important yeah. to you that that you've got something for yourself that's just yours I mean yours and you share it with your husband but you know what I mean it's your it's your passion it's your outlet it is because um and I'm yeah I'm always so careful about saying just a mum as well because I mm. I think it's it's pretty hard work to be a stay-at-home mum yeah (laughs) um and I think you know if you find fulfillment in that that's great um but I I did kind of start going a little bit crazy at the end of my maternity leave um being a stay-at-home mum so for me having my own thing that I'm doing is important to me and I think you know I've always kind of seen that with my parents, you know, I don't really remember a period where my mum was just a stay-at-home mum. I mean, it might have happened when we were born, but she she's always been working. <laughs> um, so maybe that's where that come from, comes from. I don't know. But um, mm. I, and I guess I kind of want my daughter to see 
that it's okay for us to pursue other things as well. Um, and it's really important to me to communicate to her that she needs to be happy in whatever she's doing. Mm. And that was my big thing between changing from architecture to this is that it's not just about making money. Mm. You know, you've only got one life. Yeah. You've got to be happy. Um, just, you know, you don't, I, I'm, I really don't like the whole, you know, just working so that you can enjoy retirement oh. concept. <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm um, married to a financial planner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, honestly, I, I struggle with it because you're like, yeah. you're alive now. You're who knows what could happen, you know, tomorrow, 10 years down the track, 20 years, you might not be there for retirement age. Like yeah. I really struggle with that. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a fun house to be in here sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the things we want to do, they require us to be physically well. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yes. you know, we're better yeah. off doing it now um you know we t- we try to take trips and spend as much time out in nature and and all of those things as we can so yeah I just I think my big thing is just making sure that my daughter sees that you know she's got control over I mean she's only five she's not probably not really registering that yet but well you, you don't know, know it's good to start him yeah <laughs> You don't know, you don't know what's, you know, five years time I might be, you know, <laughs> just, it might be different. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a great attitude to have. I feel like that with my boys, like I've got two sons and it's like for them to, to get used to the idea that a woman is not on this earth just to be a mother. <laughs> Yeah, or a waitress, or a cleaner, yeah. or a slave for these boys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I grew up in a home where my mum did everything for us, and because you know her mum did everything for her, and that's how it was. Yeah. And and I feel like the last thing I want my kids to to think is that that that's what I'm here for. Like, I actually feel really, really cross if I think about that if that's what they think I'm here for it makes me really mad because <laughs> it's like no I was not put yeah. on this earth to, to wait on you hand and foot so yes if I can instill that in my boys I will be and that's very happy. The, yeah that's the thing and um we're very uh we're very equal share of the housework here kind of thing <laughs> so um my partner is very like he loves to cook he cleans he we don't really have that domestic struggle as much as most people do. And yeah. I think that's really good because then my daughter sees that um, she can have standards. Do you know yes. what I mean? Yes. She doesn't have to just be like, well, this is my, this is my life. I'm the housekeeper. And um, I mean, if that's what she wants to do, that's fine. But mm-hmm. she, um, she, yeah, she can have expectations of her life partner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if I had boys and I and <laughs> I can be quite stubborn, so <laughs> I don't think I don't think I would respond very well to <laughs> to that kind of expectation being projected on me. So no, I mean I I say that a little bit in jest, but like my husband's similar. He cooks like because I don't eat meat, so we've gotten this good habit where he cooks for the boys and I cook for myself. So they they see that men okay. do things apart from that but I just it just I don't know I've just got this thing ingrained in me that that's how society sees mothers and I'm just really desperately trying to make my kids know that that's not right and our home is the exception where the dad cooks like there's lots of homes where dads cook and dads clean dads stay home with the kids and mums go to work like I don't know I'm just really determined that they don't it's just diversity in general right you just Mm. you just want them to understand that everybody is different every family unit is different People look different. People talk different. You know, yeah. people have different types of relationships. Um, yeah, that's it. And that wasn't really, I think, during when I was growing up, I it wasn't really something that was kind of openly talked about. Yes, yes. Um, I, you just yeah. kind of had to work it out yourself. Yeah. And in our town, like Mount Gambia, for those who don't know, we've only got maybe 30,000 people. I don't know mm-hmm. if it, even if we've got that many. So we're not a very big place so when I was growing up there wasn't cultural diversity we didn't have 
um, you know, people that that didn't look like me. So, um, mm. and now we've got a lot of like refugees have settled in the country. We've in the town. We've got the um, Kareni community that's really big, and people from um, the DRC. And so, my children are growing up with children in their class that aren't from Australia, and the English isn't their first language. And I reckon that's fantastic. You know, yeah. Like, I agree. Oh, there yeah. should be more of it. Like I, I feel like I missed out growing up because I used, I used to have heaps of pen pals and I was really interested in people from overseas, but I never really got to, I mean, now yeah. I'm working with them, which is awesome. And I'm always asking them questions. They're probably driving them nuts, but I'm really interested <laughs> in, in other people's experiences and what it was like living in somewhere that I've never been to. So yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's why we travel, isn't it? But um yeah, I love that we're so multicultural. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely want her to be exposed to lots of different backgrounds and, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that's pretty normal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it is good. it's a good change. What's your website where people can check out these beautiful designs that you make? It's www.littlegeraldine.com.au. I was going to ask you, where did that name come from? Um, it was, it's actually, I get this so much. Um, <laughs> people either assume my daughter's name is Geraldine or my name is Geraldine. I'm, get, I'm getting so used to being called Geraldine now. I'm just, I don't even think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, uh, I actually, a little part of it came from the concept of, um, wanting to enjoy the little things in life. So when I started this business, it was, um, through COVID as I think most small businesses did, and I was getting really dragged down by the, by everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying really hard to focus on, um, small details and little things that were making me happy and so that's where the the little came from um and then the Geraldine is actually a um it's a nod to my grandmother's favorite plant which was the Mm -hmm. Geraldton wax yeah but we just I had to sort of morph it a little bit because little Geraldton didn't sound particularly appealing but um little Geraldine so that's kind of yeah where the little Geraldine came from the Geraldine came from Geraldton wax yeah yeah, right. So do you, do you see your grandmother as like an influence on your life and your creativity and what you're doing? Yeah, well, she, I mean, she passed away a long, long time ago, but um, I I do remember having lots of conversations with her about just life and uh, what, you know, what we wanted to do and, and all of those things. And she had a pretty tough upbringing. Um, but we were very close and, you know, we spent a lot of time together and um, yeah. I kind of, I always try and remember her in a lot of things that I do. Like we've got a lot of Geraldton wax plants in our front yard and mm-hmm. I've got a lot of her trinkets from her house in my house. So oh, I just like to, I like to just remember, you know, loved ones as much as I can just yeah. to keep the memory going. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Uh, lovely. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only person that asks the question. I felt a bit like, oh, I no. <laughs> no. Oh. I, people either just assume that that's my name or they, <laughs> or they ask the question. Uh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really loved our chat this morning. It's been a lovely way to start thank my you. day. Lots of fun. Yeah, and all the best with baby number two. Thank you. And hopefully I'll see you on Mount Gambier at some point. Yeah. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. The music you heard featured on today's episode was from Alemjo, which is my new age ambient music trio comprised of myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John. 
If you'd like to hear more, you can find a link to us in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.